Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined by Scott of VectorSigma.info, as always, and we are back this time to actually talk to everybody about a, I was going to call it a fuzzier subject, because to me, a, a harder, more concrete subject would be, oh, here's a deck list. Let's talk about this thing. Um, but I think the general idea of testing and how you go about preparation is a bit more nebulous. Is that how you look at it, Scott? Yeah, I would say this is, it's more of a universal topic that you can apply to, anything, but I think it's, it's important given the, um, uptake and organized play that people understand how to, how to do this, I guess you can, for, you could yeah. say, for lack of a, well, it's yeah. it's one of those things that even if you know anybody out there did I know it's been a long time since I sat in a uh, a dedicated classroom for you know going back to primary or or uh, even to high school or whatever, and you sit in a class and you learn about like the scientific method or whatever the subject matter happens to be, and it's okay. This is how you go through these sort of challenges to try and get a resolution or find a answer or whatever it happens to be, and I don't think this is any different where it's. On the surface, it probably is, oh, yeah, well, you you just practice, and you'll figure it out, but it's not quite that simple. Uh, there's definitely a methodology to it, and hopefully we can impart some of that wisdom. And Scott, you mentioned on other shows that the intent is we're leading up to Gen Con, even just going forward, that other members of the team are going to intersperse through other media with similar topics? Uh, possibly. I mean, you and I have identified, I guess, what? three main phases of tournament play that we wanted to talk about, like yep. the preparation, the day of, and then like the analysis, I guess. So mm -hmm. um, it just depends on what our subject load is um, because, I mean, there are some good articles and other games written on these topics. So, oh, absolutely. Um, There's lots of books, so, like just from in general, yeah. that you could take that knowledge and apply it here. Yeah. So it just depends on whether or not like we feel like we can state something stronger than what's already out there or just reference something that's already out there right so in this particular case we as scott was mentioning we're going to focus on i guess we'll call it phase one so this is preparing for an event through the testing phases so way in advance kind of like now for gen con as opposed to the days leading up to it the day of and then evaluating it afterwards um so the first thing is setting goals for your testing and I kind of want to just, I'm going to play question, 20 questions with you, Scott. So when we're talking about setting goals for testing, which is actually going to come up for the team very soon, what are you thinking going in? What, is, what does that actually mean to you? Um, a couple of different things. So um, I assume we'll get into the whole team aspect at mm. some point during the conversation to begin with. Of course, with, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> It depends on where you are in your testing. So, so the goal for the for the testing session, or like even if it's a night, like if you're going to run, you know, X number of games with a certain deck, it, it's usually to learn whether or not this deck is viable, whether or not to learn whether this card is viable, whether it's to learn whether this character is viable. Like, it, there's different gamuts of goals you can run. Um, you know. You want to you want to learn something out of every session. So a lot of, of it course. is going to be like, you know, this character lineup was good, but these these six battle cards need to be changed because they weren't very good. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're in a unique situation here where, and this topic will 
this topic is, is broader because we also have a new set and now new extra sets to to, to worry about. Of course, um, yeah, yeah. At, at the same time, so like we're we're going into this much colder than you usually will go into testing for a larger event where a format is known, mm-hmm. um, and and we can get into that uh, later as well. Um, like if you if you had a known format, you like one of your goals should be is how does this known deck perform against uh, these other known decks? In this situation here, with a new set having to test, it's going to be basically like how good is this card? You, that's just the statement. How almost good is quite this card? in a vacuum? Not yeah, I mean, yeah. not quite a vacuum, but like you said, there's, yeah. we have to build the pillars of the format first. Uh, right. Which, if you look back at wave two, you know. People could name a lot of the decks, even post-sideboard. You could go in, post-sideboard being, you know, once it was announced, I mean, not in the game. That Mm -hmm. you could go in and say, okay, well, these decks were good before. It at least gives us a baseline. And we do have a little bit of that going into this new set, but every new set clearly shakes up a format a lot. So there's only so much you can do. Right, so one of the goals could be, I'm going to update this deck with new cards and see how it does against these other updated decks mm. to start with um, as your, as your starting point, for example. So the point is, is that if you only have access to yourself and your own knowledge and maybe some of your friends and locals and things like that, you're, it's going to take time to do these things. Like you're, you're just not going, you're just not going to have the, the number of sessions unless you're playing like every other day or every day to actually do these things. So, what you basically need to do is you need to find a way to get as much information as possible and then internalize it for yourself. That should be, if you don't have a team of people to rely on or, or other means to get information from other teams that may be out there. (laughs) um, I wonder how you could do that. (laughs) I I mean, if other teams have Patreons available, that information might come to you and shortcut some of them. Mm, But yeah, but the point is, uh, if you don't have that ability, then basically what you part of what your goal should be is to see what else is out there, on YouTube or coming up in conversations and things like that, and try to shortcut the process and try to see does this deck work for you? Does this deck work in general? Mm-hmm. Um, unless you just want to create things from scratch, the problem is with creating things from scratch, you're running up against other people's stuff that they're creating from scratch. And yeah. unless you really trust that you're both on the same level from a deck building perspective, it might not work out too well. Yeah, um, it, it's very much a so. knowledge is power sort of scenario. And there's definitely no shame in standing on the shoulders of giants. And that's a, I mean, that that's a cliched phrase for a reason. It's not everybody has to reinvent the wheel every time they do anything in life. It's... Well, there's a reason why all the people that preceded us did all these things and got us to this point. And it's no different for card games. So like Scott was saying, if you can get information from other sources, you can get more knowledge. It's only going to help you because let's face it, there are only so many hours in the day. There's only so many days that you can sit down and test with people or even just theory craft things before real life interferes. You have to be able to pinpoint a goal, pinpoint a target and work towards it or otherwise you're you're just floundering jumping from thing to thing. Yeah, and as a corollary to actually use the same analogy you did on standing on the shoulders. Mm. What came before? There's no reason you shouldn't just be looking at updating decks that were 
uh, powerful before unless you specifically know mm. there's something you fear coming out that makes the deck invalid. Yes, for sure. Um, but outside of that, like I, I see no reason what you just said to stand on the shoulders of a deck that was popular before and just update it. Yep. Um, especially given such a short time frame, like let's just say your your store qualifier was next week or something like that. There's no shame in that at all. Yeah. Um, don't, like, I, I don't, we don't have time to get into this, but like, mm. I don't even look at that as like, anything that you should be concerned about, that you didn't come up with something super original, I only changed five battle cards, something like that. Like, that's still yeah. original to me. Yeah, the, I, again, it's something that we're not going to digress into, but there's right. an entire conversation about net decking, and I guess it it's not a bad thing, is all I'll say. I don't want to, because we'll, yeah. we'll be talking about that forever. Um, just in this, just in this environment where, like, as you said, if mm. you really had, if you need a starting point, period, start with updating the decks that are powerful now, mm. and then go from there. And we actually had an article, yeah, uh, today at the time of recording, that talked about that. For example, with Ariel Bots and mm. all how Optimus updated builds. So, like, just where like one of the starting points that we're coming from is, for example. And it makes sense to to bring it back to our original conversation starter of setting goals of you need to identify what the pillars of the format are. And given that we're we're all getting thrown into the deep end with a new set coming out, this new starter coming out, with the new promos coming out, uh, and getting used to <clears throat> excuse me, the new tournament structure and all of these variables that it makes sense to start with something stable and then branch out from there. Because then you can kind of define what the problem is or what the hypothesis is otherwise you're just floundering grasping at straws if you're trying to solve everything at once just isolate a variable and address that one then move on to the next right exactly you'll just be overwhelmed otherwise exactly and i've i will openly admit i've been in that scenario both in this game and other games where it's okay i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it all out tonight and maybe somebody out there can do it but it's not me so yeah i've moved on from that <laughs> um before we do move on to the next piece of this scott any other suggestions wisdom you want to impart about how to appropriately define goals or any specific goals that people should be tackling this early in the format whatever it is write it down and cross it off or like you know highlight it in different colors and like that you accomplished it each time yeah uh whether it's a, and like i said whether it's a character Specific one character, whether it's a lineup, whether it's uh, how do these battle cards affect this known deck, whatever it is, write it down mm. um, so that you can cross it off and you, you leave no. I mean, you're going to leave stones on. Of course. But but don't do it of your own volition because you got and you thought about it one day and didn't write it. So. Yeah, the writing it down is definitely important for future reference as well. Uh, you know, a few months from now, as you get closer to an event or after an event, you try and look back and say, well, why did I choose A or B? It's important to have those reference points. And the goals that you're setting for yourself aren't necessarily, let me rephrase that, just because you start on an idea and say, okay, I think this will work, and then it implodes because of reasons A, B, and C, doesn't mean that it's necessarily a failure. You still achieve right. the goal of gaining the knowledge about the thing, whatever it happens to be. Oh, yeah. You learn way more from failure. Of course. There, there's a lot of cliched phrases about that being the yeah. best teacher as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's move on from setting goals. And you were kind of 
alluding to this briefly, Scott, um, about gauntlets and, um, I, we had a discussion offline because I originally had it labeled as control decks or control groups, but more in the scientific sense of this is a thing you, whoop, I just hit my microphone. Sorry, everybody. Um, this is a thing. You don't change it so that you don't lead to <clears throat> what you'll hear a lot of us call, or you'll see in other places inbred testing of, well, this is the the standard stock standard bugs list. Internally, we may be updating it with certain cards, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's thinking that and it can warp things down the road. Uh, but before we get into that level of it, where do you, when we say gauntlet, Scott, what does that mean to you? Um, testing your ideas against a known of decks that are known out in the, in the environment. Now, again, that's difficult to do given a new set coming out and all this other stuff that's increasing the size of course um but even in this situation what i like again what i do is update the existing decks that are out there now your perspective and against um as as test scenarios um because again i I don't see that changing I, i don't see those decks becoming unplayable um i think we're just reaching a point now where because of the level of organized play that's out there from store championship and and large open perspective i just feel like that for players that don't have the ability to put in the time to to do some of the things that we're discussing that those are going to be the fallbacks that they're going to be uh going to anyway and i think some of those decks form some of the of the formats regardless so understanding how to play now playing against every single type of deck is obviously going to be different like playing against the aerial bot control deck is much different than playing against a three wide optimist but Nonetheless, just playing its a control deck in general, having multiple pillars in order to fall back on aggressive decks with with uh, Insecticons or Dinobots or like you know double Grimlock type situations or cars, things like that. Like uh, if these decks change their character lineups or their battle cards, um, I, I think it's perfectly fine to update them the existing lineups with better battle cards that might come about. Of course. Um, to start with, and you, and if there's an obvious upgrade from a from a character perspective, basically what you should do then is just say like, you know, I'm updating this. You're consciously updating. I mean, I mean, Aerobots, for example, will not happen. Like if you're Bumblebee to Bumblebee, right? Like, like it's okay to be testing against uh, what you call cars with a different six drop. Than Prowl, for example, that you find in the new set, like, you want to use some kind of a battle master or something like that, and still write down like I'm testing against cars. Like it's not going to change all that much. Like most of the cards are going to be the same. The same general theory is going to be the same. Two thirds of the characters will be the same. Mm. Um, and then you're fine. Like to me, like you're still testing quote unquote against cars. Right. So, so in that situation, like, yes, you did. Yes, it's a whole new deck that you're testing against, but like, you're not changing it all that dramatically. Like, updates to Insecticons (coughs) are not going to have the new scrap mill, for example. So, (laughs) yes, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but like, you know, if you want to use a different seven and five drop with Optimus, that's like, make sure you just don't change as long as you don't change it around too much, and and you know. Obviously, like on the control deck side, and even on some of the aggro side, like some of the secret actions might change things like 
the mm. way you play the game might change. But in general, I feel like if you update those known decks in the meta to start with and just run your decks against them to start with, mm. um, you can at least start to form an idea of how does my deck do in general against known commodities? And then you can start to move it on to the unknown commodities of the 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 different decks that you're going to test so that you're going to start to form a metagame. But you always have those stock lists that have done well in previous metagames updated in your back pocket to continue to test against so you don't run into the situation that you're mentioning or in testing. Right. You're creating the metagame and then solving it yourself. Um, Which is definitely an issue if you are on your own. Um because I've run into oh, that myself. It, it's impossible if you're on your own. Yeah. Um, it, but even, I, I even know, I've had friends that were professional magic players that like, you know, the week before a pro tour will do this and, and that winds up happening as well. Yeah. Because the, I mean, the formats are much smaller, probably around the size that we're looking at. Now. Mm. Um, and so like, they identify the decks that they think are powerful and then they went testing them against each other and it winds up becoming red and then, something comes out of left field and beats all of them. Yeah. Sometimes it's important to take that step back to say, okay, am I going too far down the rabbit hole? Is this, am I hurting myself in the long run? Yeah. And know that you know that no deck is unbeatable. Every deck has bad matchups. Of course. And, uh, so, you know, you're only going to be able to address it in that manner. And I don't know whether you'll get into this (laughs) label. This is, I guess, where you could, this is where sideboarding would come into play as well, mm. because this this we should probably just talk about that separately. So we'll get okay. to that later. Well, one question, gauntlet wise, that we've talked about offline before, but how important do you feel for the the general populace to again <laughs> steal the wisdom right out of your head? Test. So you have a new deck set just came out. I want to try this new idea. It's something that is not an existing build or it's an updated version that's different enough to consider it a different classification. And then you're just going to run it through its paces against bugs, against cars, against dino bots, against Metroplex or, or three wide or, you know, whatever you're going to play it against. And then you go, okay, that deck did blah. Now I have idea number two. How important is it to run it against the identical decks again, or very similar gauntlet builds versus, okay, well, now I've learned new things, go update those other decks? I mean, you're not getting anywhere unless you keep doing that. Like, you're just... Right. You're... You can't I know it sounds obvious, but <laughs> I'm trying to tease it out of you here. <laughs> I mean, like, you can't... I mean, this is, this is like... Like, I'll use an analogy. This is why I can't stand college football, for example. <laughs> Because not everyone plays the same opponents. Right. So you need to put yourself... I mean, I understand not professional sports. Everyone plays the same number of games against opponents either. But assuming it's a more level playing field, Mm -hmm. you play similar schedules. And you play against the same similar set of opponents. Whereas there's no... Like, you don't get to choose who you're playing against. You don't get to say, I played, you know, Sister Mary of the Poor, or whatever they always call that. You know, know, Ohio State favored by 45 over, uh, you know, the Drexels of the world or whatever. So like right. you, you don't get to put free wins on the board. Like you, you don't want to do that. Like you want to play against the gauntlet decks and you want to see how various builds do against them. Understand what the weaknesses are, understand what the strengths are, or you could start to move and test these decks against one. 
Right. Because then um, it's actually an apples to apples comparison of deck A went seven three against bugs. Deck B went three and seven against bugs. Okay, well why? And you right. can actually have that conversation as opposed to it went this went seven three against bugs and then it went, you know, X and Y against other random thing that I made up. Yeah, and I'm not sure how many games you need to actually play um, in the same configuration at this time either. Mm-hmm. I'm just I mean, making those numbers some... up. Yeah, no, 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 I know, I know, but it's important to talk in yes. that way. But like, um, I think like ten is the minimum you should do at all times. But I think like if you know right away that a by ADC card just wasn't going to be good, and maybe it could only be good in your sideboard or something, like that, you can mm-hmm. feel free to t- change it right away. There are um, some things know, so, that will jump out to you like that, but for the most yeah. part, you'd rather, you're saying, just grind it out so that you get more accurate data if you can help it. Yeah, again, if you have the time. Of course. That's always going to be the limiting factor for everybody. Yeah. Um, and the <laughs> person that you're playing with doesn't, I guess, running the gauntlet deck. That's yeah. also a factor. I mean, in the, the early stages like this, it's worth... You know, everybody's learning something, but yeah, that is something to keep in mind that maybe that person wants to try some of their own stuff <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on gauntlets, either how they should be constructed or how people should handle them as they're going through these early phases of Wave 3? No, we, we'll revisit this topic, I think, after Gen Con, because there will be a gauntlet established for Siege, so we could probably talk about the situation too. Of course. Testing for your for your local qualifier. And it's going to be more. Absolutely. So moving from there, something else that you were also talking about was testing partners. Now, obviously, Vector Sigma as a team has the advantage of, well, it's a team. And there's a lot of people that can help you out, whether it's just something as simple as someone has a different perspective on it. Uh, someone happens to. Scott, you've said many times that you lean more towards the control end of the spectrum, so that's where you're comfortable, but other team members may have a different stance on it. Um, what are, aside from the obvious things, what are the other advantages? What, why should people be looking for those extra testing partners? Uh, to shortcut your own results. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, we keep saying time is, the, is a major factor in all of this, but it bears repeating. So I think I think this is where an important distinction needs to be made. A team is not the people that you just play with on a regular basis. A team is you can trust their results because you feel like you're getting from them is equal to what you're putting. Now, not every team member is going to put in 100% of the time of whatever the, the situation is. And not every team is going to be as formal organized i can't believe i'm using the word um as like (laughs) as as we might be for example but at the same time you need to put yourself in a situation where hey i have real life situation going on this weekend um can you two over there grind out some games let me know how it went and i don't have to question those results um because Mm -hmm. Because you know that this player always plays this deck poorly, or this player doesn't understand the game well enough. Um, so you need to pair yourself with players that are on your skill level, that you can trust the results. And that, to me, is what makes a team, instead of just people that you play the game with. 
Um, I think a lot of people throw the term a lot and aren't necessarily using it in the same sense that I think of it. Because, again, if you can't, if you have to be over the person's shoulder helping them all the time, they're not getting anything out of the deal when you're not. So that to me is like where the team aspect you said, if you're not getting anything, if, if you're, if like you as the control builder aren't getting any insight from somebody else on the aggressive spectrum, like if you're not sharing of information, then you're not growing as a whole. Right. Um, if you're not able to bounce those ideas off. So if you're not, again, kind of getting out what you put in from other people as a collective, if, 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 if the sum is not greater than whatever the, the whole is not greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. Like you're, you're not doing it. Right. You're basically, you're just dragging other people along. There's a, there's definitely a distinction between a, a coaching based relationship versus a team based relationship is what I'm hearing from you. And correct me if that's not where you're going with it, but in the former it's, you know, Scott, you're dictating to me, how this deck should work. These are the lines of play you should make. And you're leading me to a place or a set of knowledge that you already have. Whereas in the latter, it's everybody's collectively generating said knowledge. Yeah. And it's okay if I teach you how to play a deck and then you go off and play 10 games of it. As long as I trust that after I taught you how to play it, I can trust your results. Right. And I can, and I can watch you play five games show you what you did wrong and then trust again again trust your results like it's again it's okay if i if i created the deck and have to teach somebody else how to become you know more proficient with it again i'm right. not saying everyone 100% on the same spectrum but after you've taught somebody what they need to do you need to be able to trust their results and it cannot always just be a one way cannot just always be correcting what goes on you Absolutely. have to you just have to like allow yourself to, to step back because if you don't, like, if you're the deck builder and the tuner and the player, like, you're, you you just can't do it all. Well, you're shifting back into what we were suggesting you avoid earlier, where it's, you're utilizing the team as a shortcut or you're utilizing other people's knowledge as a shortcut because, as you said, one person is not going to be able to accomplish all of the things that need to be done in the time frames presented. Let's face it, the... I hesitate to call it an aggressive schedule, but between the release of the cards and when the events are, and then, as we said before, real life happens, you're, there's just too many things in order for someone to be able to accomplish all of it proficiently. Yeah, I'm not even just talking about playing games. I mean, if you, if you can't trust in a conversation with somebody... Mm-hmm. Like through the course of a day, through social media or on the phone or something like that, if you can't bounce ideas off somebody because you're constantly teaching them what to do or anything like that, or you can't trust that your opinions are either being heard, cared about, whatever. Like if if if, if the other person, people that you're talking to, are not soundboards for you and receptive to that information, like you're you're still in that bubble, even, exactly. Like your own personal bubble, even though it, it may not even feel like. I've definitely been in situations like that where, like, you're the only one posting to the message board, for example, yeah. to, to use that, you know, real-life situation. Mm. Now, so. to the, the other end of the, the same coin, and, and this was highlighted in a recent Vector Sigma video about the sideboarding strategy that you guys had collectively put together 
going into Origins or, or at Origins for, we'll call it the main event. Point being mm-hmm. is that to go back to your comment of being a soundboard, it's not necessarily, yes, people need to be receptive of the ideas, but it's not also on the other end, you do need to appropriately challenge, even if it's not, you could end up at the same conclusion, but it's worth having challenging conversations to work through the workflow of a given issue. Yeah. And that's the advantage of having, if you can, again, trust, like you kept repeating, Scott, what the other people are saying, how they're thinking about things, it removes one layer of having to worry about, okay, well, why are they even asking that question? That doesn't make any sense. It's, well, they're asking that question for a valid reason because of these circumstances and we'll work through it and maybe we end up at the same resolution, but we did work through it to address the given concern. Correct. So, um, obviously at the end of the day, it's better to have, it's, it's better to not go it alone if you have the option. Yeah, and if you are finding yourself in this situation, I think you need to go, you need to have a conversation with the people that you play with normally and say, look, I'm going to XYZ event or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm traveling to these, even just local qualifiers. Can you help me test? And you, again, it doesn't have to, I don't think it'll be the team concept that I'm talking about, but, but at least it can simulate like what I'm talking about. With well, there are, there are certainly levels of it, of getting there. Cause it's also not, you're going to just jump in and everybody's going to be on the same page, even organizationally before you t- start talking about skill level or anything like that. Right. So, um, and maybe that's not necessarily what your local group wants out of it, out of the, it being the game. And that's where you may need to start reaching out to other areas that, you know, researching in other ways or talking to other people, not because, that's the wrong way to play the game, but you know, that may not be how people want to interact with it. So if you want to move in a different direction, that's fine. Yeah. I would also recommend finding people. on Right. <clears throat> uh, or finding teams in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is, there is that option as well. Hint, hint. Um, <laughs> so any other thoughts on testing partners slash teams in general, Scott? It's it's a very broad topic. I have, I mean, any of these please, we could drill down for hours, probably. Yeah, yeah. P- please feel free to like leave questions that you want answered about this. I've been on TCG teams, literally did um, at like Pro Tour one. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been mem- a member of successful ones, unsuccessful ones. Tell you what doesn't work. Um, that's why I'm very adamant about some of the things that we do on this team because I know what works and what doesn't work. Right. Um, so running a, a team, just like anything else in life, because it involves people always is going to be an exciting endeavor. We'll put yeah. it that way. Um, I mean, I also have the advantage of like being in a management style position since I was 16 in some way, shape or form, mm-hmm. whether it's socially or whether it's professionally. So like, again, like, I tend to bring like professional presence to these types of situations, even when it's probably not warranted. And some people might think that's just too over the top, but I mean, it works, Mm. right? 
Well, you tell me if it works. The, the so. results, <laughs> I guess, the results will have to speak for themselves. But Scott, you yeah. got to start showing up with a, a suit and tie now. You're, <laughs> yeah, you're setting no. the bar up there. I try not to show up with a suit and tie anyway. So. <laughs> He's going to show up with a briefcase and everything. <laughs> yeah, you have a PowerPoint, fifty-two page PowerPoint ready to go. Um, Just spreadsheets. <laughs> just the spreadsheets. All right. Uh, moving on from testing partners, one of the other things we want to talk about briefly was uh, mindset and focus, which again, is kind of a fuzzy subject and almost wraps around to setting goals. And the reason I say that is it's fine to go in and say, I'm going to test deck X against the gauntlet. I know what I want to identify. I want to see whether it performs well against orange or blue. I expect it's going to do A or B, and then you get your results. But part of it, and this also ties back to the the trust that Scott was harping on just a few moments ago, is that you need to also be able to trust your own results. So you need to make sure when you're going in and testing that you are fully focused on it, which, not to digress again, but real life and other factors definitely do impact that. And just like anything else in life, if you're going in and for lack of a better way to put it, just half-assing it, even subconsciously, it's going to influence and you may not realize it until after round four at two and two and you go, well, I'm now effectively eliminated because a few months ago I was screwing around with testing kind of thing. Um, Based on what you were just describing, Scott, where where you're coming at it from the, the super professional standpoint, it doesn't sound like that's really much of a challenge for you. Not for me, but I mean, like, this is why you don't find me turboing on Tuesday nights. For the, mm-hmm. You know, like, this is why I don't, you know, this is why, given an option, I only play in tournaments. Because right. with the amount of time that I have to play, it needs to be dedicated to something that's going to be at a higher level of competition at all times. Because I need to be focused and I need to, I need to get that level of experience every single time I can play and the only way I can substitute testing with my own teammates that I can trust is to play at least in the tournament setting where at least I know that everybody else is trying to do the best they can and it's not mm. casual nature. Again, like I I understand that like that is not everybody's goal, but at the same time, this conversation isn't going to goals. Absolutely. So like the point of this conversation is to is is for the for the competitive aspect of the game that there is out there. So like, I I, I get that like, that might not appeal or or be relevant to everybody. Neither would this conversation at that point. So right for me personally, that's why like again, like you said, given the amount of time that there is available. Um, I mean, this is why like you, for example, our YouTube content slants towards running certain decks against gauntlet decks, running oh, and constantly doing that. Even like especially as the format, but even probably in the beginning, like you'll see games against certain decks because like one game is just going to one match isn't going to tell you anything. Absolutely, based on based on variation. So right, um, you know, like you said, like it, it's just a matter of time and effort. The number of decks you can build in a in a in a in a format is is an astronomical number given the number of cards. I mean, it, it's factorial number that's ridiculous yes so um like you said like you have to narrow down your choices as best understand you know that card a is better than card b before you even start out Mm. um and then like you said 
set the goals ahead of time to make sure that you achieve it. And, and proving that point issue this right and the again the fuzzier aspect of this is because you can have concrete goals you can have concrete targets and then produce concrete results if as you had said when you were playing in a tournament the assumption is that everybody's playing as cutthroat as possible and that's not necessarily you know somebody's behaving inappropriately or getting you know an inappropriate advantage it's you are you are playing to your outs you are playing taking every advantage if your opponent screws up you need to really punish them for it because that's the nature of a competitive event and you need to be operating with that mindset even when you're preparing i mean when i was still playing sports it was always practice was supposed to be way harder than the game the game is the easy part but you need to put in the effort and have the mindset ahead of time so that by the time you walked onto the field, or in this case, you walk into the tournament hall, you already know everything inside and out and you're prepared. If you're lacking that way back when, that's when it shows up on Sunday kind of thing. Or you don't end up showing up on Sunday because you didn't make it through the qualifiers. So uh, that, any other thoughts on the, I guess, I, and again, I apologize, everybody out there that we're kind of speeding through a lot of these because there's there's a lot of words to be said on it. A lot of people have written and said a lot of words on these very same subjects for other games or even this one. Um, but anything else you wanted to add on that one, Scott? No, we just add in general to that point. Um, I think we're just trying to understand where the audience wants to have these topics. We don't super dive into just any one of them individually. and Of course. Overkill it to death. But no, I don't. I don't uphold the Allen Iverson methodology of preparing. So I would <laughs> agree with your statement. Practice. And- you said you do agree, or you don't. I do not agree with the with the with the Allen Iverson mentality on situations. Okay, I agree with you. Is what you said. So. Uh, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. You were breaking up a bit, so I was like, wait, which one does he agree with? Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. So. Uh, the the last one on the docket for this time around, and again, like Scott was saying, if you want to hear us ramble, because we are we tend to do that about any of these or other things, by all means, let us know. Because I mean, Scott has detailed on many occasions his, his extensive experience, and I've played for a long time. I can I can tell you a lot of things that don't work um, <laughs> from my perspective, um, and it's one of those. Eventually, I'll you know, blind squirrels and broken clocks kind of thing. (laughs) But um, one of the other things that I wanted to bring up and pick your brain about, Scott, was post-evaluation. So you've you've just completed a round, you've just completed an event, or even you've just completed testing. What are the, like, what's the first thing that goes through your head once you've, you've actually finished one of those sessions and you're evaluating, okay, did I do it right, wrong, or indifferent? Record results. <laughs> yes. First thing. Yes. You have to record your results, whether it's in a matrix spreadsheet like I use, or you have to set context to what you're doing. Right. Um, I mean, I, I deconstruct the decks like after a testing session to put them back in order so I can write out the deck lists and discuss what worked and what didn't work in a more fashion. Gotcha. Um, 
when I'm taking notes, you want to take notes as you're testing or as you're playing early tournament games or early casual games, like why you won, why you lost, unless it's just very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, like this matchup's horrendous. This matchup's a cakewalk. Like if you can get that out of the way without, you can just say, you know, easy matchup or whatever based on if I draw a normal size hand or something like that. But like mm-hmm. if you're losing because you're because three hands in a row, you had two improvised shield in your opening hand. Like make a note of that. Like it, it, there's a reason why you lost or you found some line of play that made the last three games go in your favor. Well, one three didn't. One question for you, Scott, not to mm-hmm. break your train of thought, but you had mentioned, so you played three games, two out of the three you lost because you saw improvised shields. A lot of people would probably chalk that up to, oh, well, I'm just not likely to draw, you know, what are the odds that I'm going to see multiple improvised shields? But that's not necessarily the point. It's that, Yes, Improvised Shield was the card in that situation, but maybe the more appropriate question is, is drawing a blank, and how many, and by blank, I don't mean blank pips, I mean a card that doesn't impact the board state in that scenario, is that what's causing you to lose? And therefore, okay, maybe it's not just three Improvised Shields in my deck, maybe it's these eight other cards that would also fall into that category. Yes. Um, So this is like... This is like the hidden obviousness as to why Insecticons is a successful deck because it can win in those situations where the hands are bad because all the characters are so efficient. Yes. Um, the opposite is on the aerial bot side. Why it's so efficient is because the characters are efficient and because the deck is single-mindedly focused to do what it do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're only winning or losing because of a certain series of cards that you drew or a certain move that you were able to pull off or, you know, I don't know, like you had bold 10 and flipped over 20 points of damage or something like something mathematically unlikely, unlikely that shouldn't happen. Like, you know, you, you like your Sentinel Prowl killed kickback on turn one. It shouldn't only happen. 10% of the time and it happened three right, times right. in a row. That's why you won. Like if you're making a certain that is unlikely to occur um, or your opponent messed up and that's why you kept winning. So like if they're playing optimally, then you shouldn't, that shouldn't happen either, which I guess we kind of didn't mention, but like, I guess that's another good part of teams as well as yeah. you want to be playing with optimal players. So you're not just winning on the backs of bad plays. Although that, that happened. Trust me, like that happens in tournament play as well. Of course, I mean everybody's human, so yeah. But you don't want to trust results based on mistakes, right? Um, so you would note that, uh, for example. But you know, if if these situations come up where, like, you know, you're losing for certain, winning for certain reasons, make a note of it. Like, if you're if you're not hitting your average damage potential because of the like, let's just say one per per flip like you know let's say like you know you're playing with like a bold one character and you're not consistently flipping three extra damage out of a flip because you're playing too many blanks or you're playing too many whites or you're playing too many off colors like whatever it is mm-hmm. like make it like make a note of that and probably and you know, all like if you if you need to do that 
then either the character lineup needs to change or the battle card needs to change if it's 100% necessary. You just In this game, you just can't do everything you want to do. Um, you're just not going to draw consistently and flip consistently um, without a way to manipulate through other means, like, you know, gaining mm. additional attack power and things like that. If you're losing to a certain strategy, if you're winning against a certain strategy, like, just make a note of it so you mm. so you see the why. And the, the other thing that's good to shortcut is that you may learn to apply that strategy or that, that series of moves to another deck. Right. And adjust another deck. And then, again, we've talked at length about not having the same battle deck. And, you know, or, you, you know, the battle deck is not transportable, the character lineup is not transportable, but it doesn't mean that the theories are not transportable. Um, and the, mm-hmm. the, even if the cards themselves are transportable, the way you use them and the reason why you use them may not be, like, you know, obviously in any heavy art, you're going to try to run Peace or Tyranny. But if you if you were playing with five, you know we played Peace or Tyranny in a, in a Predacon list. There was no one we could sacrifice except for Predaking. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not going to so, end well. <laughs> right. So, like, obviously, it was a dead draw every single time we into our hand. But it's like we weren't not going to play it. Right. So, like, you know, but if you lose games because you drew two of them and you just have two dead cards in your hand, and no way to cycle them out. It's a totally different situation. Right, you know, and that's obviously going to inform your other decisions of, like, the. I mean, it's the exact example we were using earlier of how many times is that occurring for seeing these specific, air quotes, dead cards, as opposed to, oh, well, I'm. what are the odds I'm going to draw all three Peace Through Tyrannies, like, actually draw them? Right. But it's not necessarily just Peace Through Tyranny, and that's where this, the post-evaluation is important, and one of the things you had said earlier about taking notes both during and after is crucial because, I mean, we've all done it at some stage where it's easy to write off a given loss or a given win or whatever the scenario is in the moment kind of thing. But then if you come back to it later, if you made notes about it, it's like, is that really what happened? It, now that I've I've slept on it or I had a couple other games in between or whatever, that maybe it isn't quite as clear cut of, well, I drew all three piece through tyrannies. It really is that, you know, I have 10 cards that are effectively blank in this matchup and it's negatively impacting me every time that we sit down and play it. So therefore I need to make these other changes. Agreed. And I also, I also think one thing that that's gained by taking notes is like, say, say you even had some kind of five hour example. You tested it. If you write down exactly what you played against, you'll notice holes in what you might have missed playing against. Yes. So if you're playing your against like if you play against five aggro decks and you did whatever, but you didn't play against a single control deck, you really only tested fifty percent. Not even like even like let's just say there were let's just say that the, you had ten decks that you were testing against, only two of them were control decks. Like you didn't just miss. You missed all that opportunity, and you have to write right. that down. That you only tested against this. You'll notice you only tested against this strata of decks, and like, so if you if you had a really good day, and you're like, yeah, this, but you don't come back the next time, immediately test against the control decks that you know about, mm-hmm. and get stomped. Then like, what did you really? You kind of just wasted the entire day that you. Yeah, exactly. Just testing against the one type of deck. Mm-hmm. So like. But that you might not notice that unless you actually take notes. If you just write like 
uh, like, I mean, how many times have you seen online? My deck went 10-0 today against what? And, exactly. And, and, and like against what strata of, 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 of types of decks? Like, I can make an aggro deck that smashes other aggro decks like pretty easily. I can just play Insecticons all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um. Um. But then I'm gonna if I run a, you know if I if I made an aggro deck that gets smashed by ten control decks like this is where this is where the whole you know continuum of, of the metagame mm-hmm. comes into play. Like, if if you're only getting results against one side or the other, you're only hurting yourself, hurting your the time that you're putting in. And this is just this is just something you can glean off of taking notes about what you played against. Yep how you played against it like if you just look back at that a couple days later and say hey you know i didn't play any games against anything that was most play any mostly orange like why like what a waste like yeah you know i could have just i could have just taken you know a half hour and played two games against like something at least had some idea now i have to go all the way back to find this session again and and start out by doing that it's like it just wasted time And, and again like Taking notes will just help you find those opportunities on well, like on the spot, not just ever. right. Uh, speaking of time uh, and saving it, as far as taking notes, one thing that I've come back to a lot is okay. Well, this idea didn't work today, but now several weeks from whatever day the testing session was, I'm going to wonder. Well, hey, now that the meta has evolved to this stage. That other idea sounded promising. Why did that fail? Why was that failing then? Is there new knowledge that I've gained that can bring it up to speed? Does it have a place? Without those notes, you're now going to be forced into reinventing the wheel uh, and going back to stage one of trying to build that deck again. And it may be necessary, again, if you've acquired new knowledge, if the meta has shifted in a certain direction, but it at least gives you a starting point of I felt this way then for these reasons. Agreed. So uh, I know it may sound like a lot of work to people that may be just coming into this, but I mean, there, you have to put in the effort and these sort of things it will definitely assist you going forward. It's not a matter of, you know, well, you need to write books and books on what each testing session was, but what makes sense for you and what goals are you trying to accomplish with the materials you have? I mean, Leonardo da Vinci had journals, right? diaries, yep. journals, things like that. I mean, like these are the people that you want. I think you want to emulate that more than like the spontaneous genius. I mean, there are people that can do opinion. that. I'm not going to say that there aren't. Yeah. You know, there. But let's face it, there there are very few people in a given field, whether it's card games or otherwise, that can pull that off. And I know personally, I'm not one of them. I have to write things down, especially as I'm getting older, I'm just forgetting stuff. So um, it's important to be able to do that. It just helps you figure out the why. It's not just the what, it's not just the what, it's the why and the how. And Mm -hmm. I think that though, that becomes more as, as, as your sessions go on, then the what, right? Um, because like you, you, you may find the what right away, but if you don't, if you're not improving it, then like you, you lost the why and the how exactly. somewhere along the way, and mm-hmm. then you just go there and like something shows up, you just get stumped. Like you saw that at Origins, you saw people that that, that were wedded to certain strategies going in that that were that were built on, I guess. I built on a house of cards for lack of a better term mm. 
that's the way I see it is like, I mean, and, and certain players have already have said that they, they went into it thinking that X, Y, Z was a good deck to play and it didn't work out. I right. mean, luckily some of them were able to shift. Um, if they weren't because they, they spent too much time not understanding the why and the how and just looked at the results right. of testing or of tournaments they played in, you know, it's, it's a whole new ball game when you go to these events and I know we're I know we're focusing on Gen Con I even think it I really do believe at the level that the level of competition that you're used to in your local store that has events is going to improve with the players that you know and improve with the players that are willing to travel to get that competition slot yeah I mean, um, think about it if you're going to drive X number of hours even if it's only an hour or only two hours or only whatever it's still an investment in time and resources and stuff like that that most people don't want to expend that level of effort for nothing. You know, they're not just going to throw it away. So they're going to go in. You have to assume that the other guy is trying to prepare as well as you are. Yeah, and if they're willing to travel, chances are they're preparing better than you. Yes, and that's exactly my point. <laughs> so... Um, I mean, if you if you don't think you can say in your heart that you've done everything you can do, I know advocating like taking off, spending twenty four hours in a row. Yeah, there there are limits. <laughs> We're not saying getting, that getting a house and living with people for a week and these types of things that I've done in the past. Um, you know, if if you, if you if you don't, I'm not saying I'm not advocating doing that, but um, if you really believe that there was opportunity left on the table you just have to assume that other people did that yes so and again like this format is going to bring this season this format is going to bring a different spin to it because again formats being discovered at the same time right the events are occurring but um that will likely change especially as we get into the wires and likely I would say probably change in 2020 because I, I would assume that Energon Invitational is going to be similar to the next set that comes out. So mm. It's going to be interesting moving forward, and I don't want to go too far into it because obviously we're just speculating, but if we look to how magic is structured versus <clears throat> what we can predict here, as in, you would mention, defining the meta as prepared as part of preparation for the event, as opposed to having, if Gen Con were actually in October, you know, and we had all this time and we knew exactly what wave three had to offer. And we knew what the starters had to offer and the promos and blah, 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 and could test and prepare. That's totally different than walking into Gen Con in August when we got the cards like four days ago from the time of this recording. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting in the next year, to see if that is going to be maintained or if there, there's going to be more space is where I'm going with it. I mean, these events are time-wise when they are. Mm -hmm. I don't think much can be done about that. So I well, would imagine this is the norm. It's it, To me, it's more about the localized qualifier mm -hmm. seasons might get changed well, or enhanced. But The only real variable is, are, is the release schedule going to be maintained? Because that, yes... Gen Con is going to be the first week in August, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the first set is releasing, or, or excuse me, the whatever set in 
quarter two slash three is going to be the end of June. Maybe it's end of April. Yeah, yeah. That's sort right. of thing. So um, those sort of shifts. But yes, to your point about the local stuff, that is obviously going to be always in flux because it, it's whatever your local scene happens to adhere to. But the local scene may be warped by the large ones. Absolutely. Yeah, you, yeah. you should expect that... <laughs> or I would assume that a whole, any events that took place after Origins, in between Origins and Wave 3 release, probably had a whole bunch of optimists showing up. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say that's probably the case. Yes. Um, a lot more than would have had it before. Isn't it? Yes. And again, like we said earlier, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because at the end of the day, it, that could be their, the person's favorite character. They wanted to shortcut some time. They knew the deck was... Because some people enjoy just playing the game, not necessarily building decks. So, I, you know, they just want to walk in with a deck that they know is, air quotes, good. And then they want to play it as opposed mm-hmm. to figure it out. And all different kinds of players, so. Yep. Um, but that actually closes it up for this set of topics. Anything else you wanted to bring up for testing and, like, I will call it the, the early preparation for an event. Um, no, I mean, the most important thing is, it really is to me is make that list of goals, make it now, let it last the entire month, last the entire season. Mm -hmm. Um, no man is an island. Try to find other locals you can play with, even if it's not, again, the team concept. Um, reach out to people online if you can't find it locally because honestly, like, to me, I feel like the conversations about the game are just as important as the game as you actually play. Mm-hmm. Although there, although I will say, this is a pitfall, but the, there is no substitute for actually playing games. Um, I'll just put that out there. I have definitely gone to events and trusted, like, you, you yourself still have to put it in the in all likelihood, unless you're some kind of savant. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't forget that as well. You can't just 100% trust other people's results because you have a style that may be different than theirs. You're not that person. Like, <laughs> yes. No, like, that's that's kind of it. I mean, I could, I could tell you, I could tell a story about, like, you know, a, a lot of wasted effort um, at, a, you know, going into an event because somebody's test results weren't correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, trusting somebody to come up with the right solution and basically kept getting stomped against a certain strategy. And the point was, well, that strategy didn't show up at the event and the deck crushed everything else. And it was like, if you had just expanded out to playing in decks throughout the time, we would have known at least that that, yes, deck A is its deck's glaring weakness, but every deck has a deck A Mm-hmm. That has a glaring weakness, and maybe they can be solved through a sideboard. Maybe they can be side solved through just not actually facing off against the deck in in the tournament. Like that all happened as well. I, I guess that's another point to think about is like um, the reason you test against varied strategies, not just the one your local plays, is because in all likelihood, like that's a form of inbred testing as well. Like you're just playing meta event, not the metagame in general, but that's gotcha. probably a larger topic. So, well, yeah, there's, there's a lot in this. And again, we, we said it a few times, but anybody out there listening or watching, 
If you would like us to elaborate on any of these specific questions, definitely hit us up. Uh, we'd be more than happy to cover these things either on the show again or in other mediums. It all depends on what people want to hear about because we've said this offline a lot, but the Transformers TCG is pulling in a lot of people that aren't traditional card game players, but now that they've gotten a taste of competition, they they may smell the blood in the water and they want to be the shark, uh, so to speak. So, I mean, there, there's something to be said about wanting, really enjoying the game itself, really enjoying the IP itself, wanting to succeed as well. So, like, again, like like you said, like, I wouldn't just assume that the the Transformers fan isn't ready to turn themselves into a trading card game player because because they never because they never got out of their kitchen table when it came to magic. Like, they may want to prove something about, hey, here's my favorite thing in life from a hobby perspective, and now I can actually succeed and see my name in lights and yep. win back my investment and like create a character if I win. Like this is something I've always wanted to do and like take it seriously. Like I don't yeah. think there's anybody you can discount in this, so Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely, you have to, again, like we said before, assume that the person sitting across from you put in the time and the effort, because otherwise they probably wouldn't have traveled (laughs) to these events otherwise. Especially at these conventions. Absolutely. I mean, it's a big deal and it's not an insignificant investment on multiple fronts to be able to attend one of these things. You got to assume that 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 person, they're... They're not just showing up for the hell of it. <laughs> They're going there to win. So, yeah, agreed. Um, like I said, that kind of <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. And I, again, I apologize, everybody, for my voice. Um, for dying. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm doing my best not to. <laughs> um, as you can tell, is my my volume is starting to creep lower and lower and lower and lower and lower as we get to the end. But uh, all good. As always, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for watching, and please tune in next time for more random thoughts.